We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. We are recording this episode on a Wednesday here. It is officially March, Usaid, March 1st, and uh, the NFL Combine is going on as we speak. Uh, But more importantly for us today on this podcast, we are starting uh, to ramp up our position preview series, going over every single position group for the upcoming 2023 uh, draft class. I'm excited to get into it. You said, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm excited as well. You know, I'm doing well also. Listen, the Super Bowl ended like, what, two, two and a half weeks ago, and we're already sitting here kind of getting ready for the NFL scouting. Well, the NFL offseason because the scouting combine is going on. We got quarterbacks throwing on Saturday. So that is going to be probably the most exciting day of the entire combine outside of a lot of the player interviews, which have taken today, we got some really good breaking news and something that's so interesting about this combine in general is that it feels like there's so many more storylines this year that we've seen within the first three days compared to years past where years past, we are getting probably one or two really intriguing storylines. But like this year, for example, you got the Rams moving on from Bobby Wagner. You have the Chargers possibly moving on from Keenan Allen. John Johnson's going to be cut by the Browns here in about 10 to 12 days when the new league year starts. So there's all this activity going on. You just have to wonder how much of it is happening as a result of the combine and the strong draft class coming up where teams are basically saying, hey, we're not afraid to move on from these kind of cornerstone guys these guys that are older veterans that still have something left in the tank for younger players yeah absolutely i mean it's been a very eventful um combine week 
like you mentioned, a lot of veterans on the move. And certainly I think the combine and uh, the drafts class in general is certainly making an impact on the type of moves that uh, these teams are making. Um, but before we move on and get to the, the purpose of this episode today, uh, you know, he's talk about big news coming from the combine. I think the biggest news dropped today and we're going to touch on this really quick before we get on, because um you know, it's something that is still, it's a story that's still developing right now. And I don't want to, you know, jump to too many conclusions without getting more information, but that's, we got to talk about the Jalen Carter news and what's going on there. So for those who are not aware, uh, Jalen Carter, he's one of the top prospects in this draft class. We talked about him ad nauseum on this podcast, you know, definitely somebody that was on the bears radar or, you know, probably is still on the Bears' radar at the top of this draft because of the position that he plays. He's one of the elite talents, if not the top talent in this draft class. But we, ter- we end up finding out today um, that Athens uh, County Police Department, they've issued an arrest warrant for Jalen Carter on two misdemeanor charges for reckless driving and racing. And where um, this becomes even, you know, even more tragic is that it's involved in um, – the incident uh, where his teammate at Georgia, Devin Willock, and recruiting court uh, recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix uh, were involved in a deadly car crash, killing both of them um, earlier in, I think it was in January. Um, it sounds like, again, I'm not going to go into too many details because we're still finding out information as we go along here. And I'm sure we're going to find out more in the upcoming weeks or so. But it sounds like, you know, based off of what's being reported here, is that Jalen Carter and uh, recruiting staffer were racing on, you know, a regular street and um, driving, you know, at speeds up to 100 miles per hour, um, driving and, you know, opposite uh, driving lanes, you know, just reckless driving, you know, at the, at the core of it. Um, and, you know, we still don't know Jalen Carter's role in the in the crash itself, but you can paint a picture right now. What went on? You have, you know, two, you know, young people, drivers, um, you know, probably it sounds like intoxicated at the time of when this happened, you know, getting in a car race, you know, not thinking about, you know, obviously uh, the consequences of that driving recklessly. And unfortunately you have, you know, two young men getting killed out of this, um, you know, I'm not going to personally, you said, and I don't know what you want to talk about with this. Cause you know, it's, it's a lot to handle right now. Uh, we're getting so much information off of it. It's, it's the biggest storyline coming from um, the sky and combine here. You know, John Carter was set to, to speak with reporters at the combine today. He obviously did not do that. He sent out a um, message on, I think on Instagram, basically saying that he's going back to Athens to Athens to, you know, settle this situation and whatnot. Um, but you know, I don't even want to get into the draft ramifications of this because I know it's going to be the top thing in a lot of people's minds, and it's surely going to be, you know, a topic of conversation. But I, I, the only thing I'll say it on it for right now is that for I know that we have a lot of listeners for this podcast that listen to us while they are driving on the road. Like I know for me personally, I love listening to sports podcasts when I do my daily commute to work every day. That's just one of the things that gets me in the mindset. Um, of transitioning from, you know, my morning routine to work and whatnot. Um, just something I enjoy doing. I know a lot of our listeners enjoy doing that as well. So I, I just want to say just in, in a general standpoint, like make sure when you're driving, just make smart decisions 
and smart choices because, um, you know, I, and I tweeted this out earlier, but, uh, you know, you never know when, you know, something tragic like this could happen. Um, you, and not only does it put your life at risk, and put, but it puts others at risk, whether it's be driving recklessly, driving under the influence, just make sure you're making smart decisions out there. I know that a lot of our listeners, I, I probably not an issue for them. They probably all are mostly driving responsibly on the roads and that's a good thing, but just in, in a general sense, like what, what can we learn from this? You know, just, just that, that's just the main sentiment there. Just, you know, make smart choices when you're driving because it can lead to tragic, tragic stuff like this. And we'll see what happens with Jalen Carter over the next few weeks or so, because, you know, certainly he's going to be in the, in the news cycle quite a bit as we kind of flesh this out. You said, what are kind of your general thoughts on the whole situation there? Well, there's a lot to look at here. I mean, you're talking about something that happened about a month, month and a half ago. And, you know, we are just finally finding out that Jalen Carter's potentially involved. And again, I say potentially because there is when you look at the cycle of news, it came out so quickly this morning and it came out at the oddest time possible, too. And the reason I say this timing was so odd is simply because it came out like 9 a.m. Central Time, right? And he was Jalen was supposed to be in Indianapolis and scheduled to speak at 9:30, 10 a.m. Central Time, sometime like that. And again, you know, our guy Zach Pearson's there. We got a whole bunch of our friends in the Chicago media that are there. Quite frankly, they all kind of said the same thing in terms of, "Hey, listen, he's not coming." You know, Mark Grody from six segment the score who real great guy you know i love talking to mark as well and one of the things he tweeted was basically the buzz is now that Jalen's not at the combine and that he's completely left so this is something where it happened so fast we're still getting a lot of information about it and for Jalen, it made sense for him to kind of just leave because then we know that every single question afterwards would have been about the entire situation And again, I'm not trying to sound rude or anything, but ultimately, like, people want football coverage, right? The last thing you want to have is Jalen Carter up there at the podium at the NFL Scouting Combine and just question after question after question being about the situation. So from Jalen's perspective, like, really good to kind of go ahead and diffuse things and say, hey, guys, I'm not taking media questions or any of that. There's going to be an opportunity to do some down the road, especially when this entire case gets cleared. And again, who knows? This is something that could affect his draft stock. This could also just be something where he's not necessarily affected at all. And maybe just maybe, right. It's a complete mistake per se, because that does happen sometimes in cases where people get identified and then people end up being innocent. But, you know, it's one of those things where the last thing I'll say is don't jump to any conclusions, just kind of let it all play out. Yeah, I think it's smart to just kind of, you know, let things play out and um, let the smoke settle on this and, and see where things are at at that time. Again, I'll, I'll restate my sentiments. Like, again, for all of our drivers out there, like drive safe, like make smart decisions, all that stuff. And I hope that, again, not trying to rush to any judgment here on, on Carter's part, um, but, you know, assuming that, you know, they're, you know, these I don't know, these allegations have merit to them, I, I guess I should say, with when it comes to the misdemeanor charges. I hope that this can be 
I hate to even make it up, make it sound like this. I, I hope that just, you know, for Carter's sake, that he can make smarter choices in the future. If, you know, it, it turns out that he was involved in this thing, because I mean, the last thing you want is, you know, for more issues to pop up when it comes to this. So, um, you know, that's, that's all we'll talk about on the Carter incident for now. And, you know, I'm sure if we get more information in the future, we're going to cover this as it goes along throughout um, the, our podcast over the next few weeks or so. But, um, you know, uh, until we get that information, we're just going to leave it at that. And let's just move on to, you know, our topic for today. And that is breaking down uh, quarterbacks today for our first position preview of this 2023 NFL draft cycle. So, you know, how we've done things in the past for this is we've done it where we start off with our top five quarterbacks at the position. We go over some sleepers, some overhyped prospects, um, at least in our opinions for this draft class. And then we usually go into, you know, how this relates to the bears and, you know, draft scenarios that can play out at these positions um, for the team and, and the needs for this team. So, you know, I, I say, let's start off with our top five, the position here, you say, I'll start with you. When you look at the top five quarterbacks in this draft class, there is clearly like a top four in this class. I think that, you know, a lot of people agree is the case, but that fifth spot is very, very interesting because there's a lot of different opinions on who the fifth quarterback is in this draft class. So you say, I'll start with you. What's your top five looking at? What order do you have them in? And just start with your fifth guy, because I'm curious to see who you have up there for yours. Yeah, you're right. The fifth guy is such a toss up. I mean, for me, it's Tanner McKee from Stanford. All right. I, you look at this top four and there's a couple arguments you can make for who the fifth guy is. You could say Tanner McKee's number one. You could also go ahead and kind of say that Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who's coming off a torn ACL, he might just be a lot of people's top five. But for me, without a doubt, it's Tanner McKee is the fifth guy. Now, when I look at the top four, you see it's so interesting because you and I, when we were doing this podcast two years ago at this point, when Justin Fields was coming out and that draft class featured Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, you had Trey Lance, Desmond Ritter was supposed to be in that draft class too before he went back to school. There was a complete toss up between who the fifth guy was. A lot, some people said it was Mac Jones, some people kind of said it was. Trey Lance or even Desmond Ritter had Ritter opted to declare, but this draft class in a way, and I'm not comparing it to um, the 2021 class at all. Cause it's not as talented as a class of 2021 in terms of upside and potential, but you know, my top five right now, like I said, I've got McKee fifth and then number one, I've got Alabama's Bryce Young. I just think that as a prospect, who he is, he's incredibly well-rounded. You could say that the size is an issue, but then again, like people have knocked on size of quarterbacks kind of over the last few years, right? Like we thought Baker Mayfield was supposedly too under size at all or yeah we thought that baker mayfield was kind of undersized you know drew Brees too supposedly had size concerns which whatever right like size matters for a quarterback in the context of playmaking but at the end of the day if you can play the game you can play the game and then number two for me is cj shot from ohio state i just think that he's versatile accurate well-rounded as well he's a guy that i think when you look at i mean cj popped off this year in a big way and one of the major things I love about CJ Stroud is just he's about 6'3", 220, right? 
the way that he progressed from 2021 to 2022 at Ohio State, it was clear that he had more command of the offense. You just saw calmer, cooler, collected C.J. Stroud, right? There's times where obviously you look at some of the placement on his passes and you're like, okay, those could be a bit better. But C.J. Stroud, really good overall. And then the last two guys, right, three and four. So Number three, I've got Will Levis. Now, when I look at Levis as a prospect, I mean, he's about 6'3", 240, right around in that range. So he's definitely bigger. We've seen people kind of compare him to some of these bigger quarterbacks that have come out over the last couple of years, like a Josh Allen, for example. Let me say this. I had more faith in Josh Allen coming out than I did in Will Levis. And why? Because when you look at Will I mean, his season this year just felt like it was all over the place. He was super inconsistent. You can clearly see the physical tools are there. But for him, the inconsistencies as well as just the inability to process fast enough, you know, the mental processing, that is stuff right there that you look at and quite frankly scares me. And then the fifth guy who, again, has tons of potential, has that dual threat skill set that is buzzing at the scouting combine right now is Florida's Anthony Richardson. I mean, he's a guy, right? You love the size, you love the arm strength, as well as kind of the ability to push the ball down the field. I mean, the guy's got a cannon for an arm, but also the reality of it is this, is that there's times where he's too slow when it comes to reading defenses and that he could get benefit from just getting rid of the ball faster. When I look at Anthony Richardson's game in 2022, one of the things that, really was a major red flag to me is that he's a player who tries to eat the whole thing in one bite. And what I mean by that is that the 50, 60 yard bomb down the field is cool. That's stuff that fans love to see. But at the end of the day, the 10, 12 yard pass, right? Even a pass that's shorter to sticks on like a second and six situation. Some people are going to consider it a check down, but sometimes to take the check down and just get the easy yards or complete the short pass and get the easy yards. It is so much easier and just better than always trying to push the ball downfield. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, I, I think that top four is going to be a very interesting discussion when it comes to this because I think for a lot of NFL teams, they're going to view these guys differently than – um, we are going to because that's just that's just the way the NFL works with a lot of these teams. But um, for my top five, um, 
I'll go a different direction. Number five, I have Hendon Hooker as my number five quarterback. You know, I think when I look at Hooker, you know, he's an older prospect. He's coming off the ACL tear, so he's not going to give you, um, you know, day one impact necessarily because I'm not sure how long he's going to be out. Um, so it could be a situation where he's not going to get a ton of reps in training camp. So if you're looking for a day one starter, even though his game, I think, um, could translate well to starting right away, you know, again, those reps in the offseason really matter for these young quarterbacks. So I'm not sure he's going to get that since he's recovering um, from the ACL injury. But, you know, again, 25 years old, you know, does he have a great arm? No, it's it's good. He has a good arm. It's not a great arm. It's, it's, it's definitely an NFL caliber arm strength and arm talent there, though. You know, pretty solid accuracy, pretty good athleticism, you know, pretty polished going through – uh, progressions and reads and playing from the pocket and whatnot. So he, he has a lot of these, he just checks a lot of these boxes of, is he capable of doing this at an NFL level? And and you can say, yes, he does. Now, does he have any special quality? You know, not really. And I think again, at 25 years old, he's, you're looking at a guy whose upside isn't great. He's more of a day two pick in my opinion, but you know, for a day two pick, I think he's got that, you know, at least upside to at least be a, you know, or at least a floor, I should say, to be a very quality backup in the NFL, which on day two is not a bad, you know, investment, especially if you're a team that, you know, let's say like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a team here. Um, you know, why not, why not the 49ers, right? A team that, you know, they have injury questions at quarterback already. When you look at Brock Purdy and Trey Lance going into next season, uh, they've had injury problems for a while now. You know, why not take a chance on a Hendon, on a Hendon Hooker then as another quarterback option to bring into that room? Um, you know, some other options that, you know, could make sense. One of these teams in the NFC South uh, potentially who don't have a quarterback right now. Hendon Hooker can make a lot of sense there. If you can't get one of these top four guys, maybe get Hendon Hooker on day two of the drafts, bring in a stopgap veteran to kind of, you know, take a hold of things early in the season and then eventually, you know, give Hendon Hooker the keys late in the season and see if he can do anything for you. And if he hits, maybe you go in with him into next season and, you know, he can be your guy for next year. You know, I, I kind of see that situation with Hooker. Is he a long-term viable starting quarterback? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he has that type of ability, but as, as a higher floor guy, I, I think there's a lot to like about his game, but getting into the top four, you know, I have four quarterbacks in this draft class that I think are worthy of a first round pick. And that starts at number four for me. I will love us at four. I know the debate is probably going to be, because it, it seems like these quarterback prospects for a lot of draft Twitter is kind of separated in two different you know, tiers, right? You have the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud tier, and even some would argue that Bryce Young's in a tier of his own, but those two seem to kind of be in their own tier um, as quarterback prospects. And then you have that Will Levis, Anthony Richardson tier, where a lot of draft Twitter is saying, you know, these two guys are raw. You're not sure, really sure what these guys are, are going to be right away at the next level. They may take some time and need some time on on the bench to kind of develop a little bit. Now I don't see that as much with these two as, you know, some other drafts, Twitter um, people are, are saying, I'm not going to name any names or anything, obviously, but you know, when, when it comes to Will Levis, the things that you like about him is the size, uh, the physical profile, the arm strength. I think he's better at reading coverages and he gets credit for, especially pre-snap. He's a pretty good pre-snap guy. Um, you know, when he had talent around him in 2021, you know, you saw that ability to identify things before the snap and execute an NFL style offense um, with better talent around him. And 
you know, the thing with Levis is there are two things that concern me with him. You know, he's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete. So one of the things that worries me about him is his pocket presence. He really struggles to sense when edge rushers are coming off the edge. He, he almost has, he's almost oblivious to when an edge rusher is coming from his blind side, or even when it's coming right in front of him. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of cases where he's standing in the pocket and just standing a, a tick of a second way too long or not anticipating where the rush is coming from. That leads to sack fumbles and whatnot. You know, kind of like Daniel Jones early in his career where he was just – he had no idea where the pass rush was coming because he was willing to stand in there and take a big hit, which you like about that. You like the toughness to stand in there um, in the pocket and stay strong there. But, you know, you have to have that ability to sense where the pressure is coming from and move and look to escape and find your escape lanes there. And Will Levis just doesn't really have that for me. The second issue for me and why he's the fourth guy as opposed to being higher on my list um, is the accuracy. Very inconsistent accuracy throughout his career. I think a lot of that has to do with his lower body mechanics. He has very inconsistent footwork when I watch him play. So he does have the ability when he puts it all together to make exceptional throws. But there's also a lot of throws where he's missing gimmies out there and you're just like, you're scratching your head a bit because he should be making a lot more throws than he does. And again, the talent at Kentucky this past year was awful. He was in a terrible situation, especially compared to a lot of these top guys. That's why his stats look as bad as they do. But some of that also has to do with, you know, some of his inconsistency as well. So I don't think he's a project necessarily. I think he's a guy that can start right away, but there are flaws in his game that he's going to have to iron out if he can there's a lot of upside there. I, I do believe that, but he's also, to me, he kind of, I wouldn't say his lowest floor, but he's the most likely, I think the kind of, and among these top four quarterbacks to kind of, you know, be in that middle tier of not quite a franchise starting quarterback, but also like, maybe he's not a, maybe he's just good enough to not be considered a bus where you move on from him. You know what I mean? So he, he's kind of in that middle gray area to me. Whereas at number three, I have Anthony Richardson where I don't think he's a boomer bus prospect, but he definitely has the lowest floor of this group. Actually, you know what? I'll change. It. I think Will Levis probably does have the lowest floor of these top four because the thing with that separates him from Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson at least he has he has his flaws when it comes to accuracy and, like you said, um, some of the processing part of the game. But what Anthony Richardson has, as opposed to Will Levis, is that mobility and the ability to be used as a runner in the quarterback run game and, and read option stuff and RPOs. You know that's where you can use Anthony Richardson right away. And I think if you had to put Anthony Richardson out there on day one, you know we could see him have you know. If you remember Jalen Hurts, his first year as a starter for the Eagles um, when he had to take over for Carson once, it wasn't pretty from a passing perspective, but he was still able, able to have some success because he provided so much on the ground. So that's where I, I see Anthony Richardson, if he had to play right away, having success. Now, in terms of what you like about him, I think he has probably the highest upside in this class because he has great size. The, the athleticism you know, is jaw-dropping at times. Very good athlete. He's got a great arm, great arm talent. The thing that worries me about Anthony Richardson is, again, it comes back to Will Levis too, the accuracy part of his game. The accuracy just isn't isn't there at all. His, his accuracy is even more scattershot than Will Levis at this point. So I don't know if that's a mechanical thing with him. I don't know if that's just a natural feel for throwing the ball. It seems to me that he likes to throw one-speed throws a lot 
you know, insert, instead of putting touch on the ball, he loves to throw, you know, his fastball a lot and rely on that. And you can't always do that as a quarterback, right? You have to be able to know when to layer a throw in there and when to throw it with some heat. I'm not sure if Richardson has a natural feel for that yet. Although I will say his pocket presence and ability to process defenses is better than I think he gets credit for. He's not a total project, in my opinion, that you have to work from the ground up, but he's got some things to iron out. And then we get to the top two. I go back and forth on these guys because I think it's a little bit of a stylistic, you know, preference there. But I think for me, I'll go with number two is my is CJ Stroud because in my opinion, he doesn't really have the high, a very high ceiling, but I know exactly what he's going to be at the NFL. And I think his low, I think his floor at the NFL level is a Jared Goff kit, um, style of passer with a little bit more creativity and mobility when the play breaks down. Um, CJ Stroud, he's maybe the most accurate quarterback in this draft class. I love his ability from the pocket to deliver throws and down the field, especially. Um, I think he benefited a lot from a very talented Ohio state offense, but also, um, he had to execute that system as well. And he certainly did the accuracies there. I think he got better with processing as, as the year went along. The only concern I have with CJ Stroud is the upside and the upside for me is limited because he's not the best creator off script. Um, he's not the most dynamic athlete in the world. There are issues with his processing at times where he can be a little bit inconsistent. Although that's true for a lot of these young guys. Um, but to me, like the only time we've ever seen him actually be able to work off script in a college football game setting was in the national championship, believe it or not, when he's playing against Georgia, the best defense in the country. And he lit them up and showed that he has the ability to play off script and be comfortable there. My question is why have we, do we never see that before that game? Like what was holding him back his entire college career until that game where he showed it off. So I, I still have a lot of questions about whether he can be that type of guy at the next level. But what you like about him is that he's got good size. He's got good accuracy and he's got good enough arm talent to make it in the NFL level. I think he's got, you know, one of the higher floors, if not the highest floor in this draft class, because I think, you know, exactly what he is on day one. And then talking about my number one quarterback, it's Bryce Young for me. The size is a concern for me. If it weren't for his size, he would be far and away the best quarterback in this draft class. When you look at, he's got good enough arm talent, good enough accuracy, but the creativity, mobility, um, the pocket presence he has, all is top-notch, top-notch stuff. Um, He's got that, you know, ability when – you know, the game is close near the end of the game to just go out there and make a play for his team and put together a drive. I don't want to say it factor because that's so cliche, but you know, he definitely has that. It, it all comes down to how comfortable do you feel about the fact that he's probably five foot nine. He's probably 180 pounds. Like he's, he's tiny, man. He's really tiny. So that's really the only concerning spot I have about young. But other than that, like he's my number one guy as of right now. It's such a polarizing class. And I know I said this earlier, but or I alluded to it earlier. But you look at it, and I think you and I are on the same page. Like, Will Levis has all the physical tools needed, but he's not going to be a Josh Allen. And I don't see any of the Josh Allen comps in any way. I think he's much closer to a Daniel Jones type prospect or even the late Dwayne Haskins type prospect than he would ever be considered like a guy like Josh Allen. Cause if we remember Josh Allen coming out, I mean, he was drawing these comparisons to guys like Cam Newton, which if you look at Josh and what he did in the mountain West conference, some of those were warranted, but 
you look at, and I'll, and I'll say this regarding Levis and Richardson, to me, they're the types of prospects where, especially Levis, right? The natural playmaking ability has sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not there. Now you could argue that Richardson's a more natural playmaker because of his legs and his pocket presence and anticipation compared to Will Levis, but both of them are still prospects to me who you have to have an incredibly structured offense around them to succeed. Now, if we're talking situations, the guy who needs to sit the most without a doubt of the top four is probably Will Levis. And for me, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, hey, Will is a player that is probably going to need to sit behind a guy like Geno Smith, for example, with the Seattle Seahawks, who, again, the Seahawks have committed to Geno Smith, and they're trying to figure out a contract with him, but they also will not rule out drafting a quarterback. And then I look at Anthony Richardson, and I say there's definitely a lot there. And he's a guy who honestly could benefit from being in a similar offense to what the Giants run or what the Bills kind of go ahead and do because they've got very similar offenses. And then I look at what type of scheme would someone like a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young fit into. I think it's quite frankly these outside zone schemes, right? Like we're seeing kind of the Bears do with Justin Fields or the Packers go ahead and do with Aaron Rodgers in the strong backfield. But I will say this, in terms of the situations around these guys, an offensive scheme fits – you're looking at Stroud and Young, both of them, like their first two years in the league. It's like don't expect MVP caliber campaigns. They're all going to need time to go ahead and get acclimated to the NFL game. But so much of this quarterback class for me just comes down to you can't fit these guys into any scheme. They seem so scheme limited that it does really make it a boomer bust type class like I was talking to someone today and one of the things that was mentioned to me was hey I don't think there's a single franchise quarterback in this class a guy that has that like top three top five elite type potential but these guys can probably be I'll say the ceiling is top 15 at most if we're going to be honest or in like that second tier of quarterbacks where it's like you're good enough to kind of make the playoffs every year lead your team to the playoffs but you're not really good enough to kind of overcome the obstacles that exist and lead your team to the Super Bowl, for example, or consistently good winning seasons. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Well, I think if there's anyone who's capable of doing that in this class, I think it's Bryce Young. I think he has the best chance of being a franchise quarterback because he, he, he his tape certainly suggests that he has all the qualities of being that. Again, it comes down to do you feel comfortable a guy being as small as Bryce Young as your franchise quarterback and whether you think there's going to be drawbacks there. Like we've seen in recent years, how undersized guys like Kyler Murray has hit a roadblock in the NFL, you know, not being able to see over the middle of the field. Um, Russell Wilson has struggled not being able to see over the middle of the field. And we're seeing defenses start to exploit this now, um, as opposed to maybe, you know, five, seven years ago where they weren't really exploiting this as much. Now defenses are starting to catch up to this a little bit and they're starting to take away those opportunities and take away the strengths that these guys have. So, and that's kind of a worry for a lot of NFL teams is, you know, does will Bryce Young's height be work against him at the NFL level where he's not going to be able to see over the middle of the field as well as maybe someone like CJ Stroud, who's six, six foot three, has kind of that prototypical size, or Will Levis even who has a prototypical size. You know, I think when looking at comp- comparisons like Will Levis, to me, the Josh Allen comparison makes no sense whatsoever because they're two different complete. Process like Josh Allen, you know, his comparison in college was, I think, you know, Cam Newton to a degree, you know, just rocket arm, huge dude, you know, the mobility to just run guys over and the mentality to run guys over when he took off and the playmaking ability. Like Josh Allen, for all the flack that he got in that pre draft process, and he was my that was the first year I actually did, you know, somewhat of a little bit of scouting um, for draft classes. He was my number one quarterback in that draft because. I, I just felt like he had every single physical tool in the belt. Plus I felt like his, you know, I, I felt like his ability to see the game was better than he got credit for. It, it, it just came down to, can you fix the accuracy? And he was able to fix it for the most part um, in, in, in the NFL so far to me, the better comparison I've seen this, I, I've seen this pop up a little bit for Will Levis, like um, a mix between Matthew Stafford and as a high end comp- comparison and Carson Wentz. Um, now, I don't think he's going to be as good as Matthew Stafford. Uh, I, I don't quite see that. I think Stafford was a better athlete than he got credit for coming out of Georgia when he was coming out, and Stafford's arm was just ridiculous coming out of college. Um, but I think Carson Wentz makes a lot of sense. You know, big, two big guys, big arm um, with some accuracy concerns, um, some pocket awareness concerns. I think Carson Wentz is probably a better playmaker than Will Levis, but – you know, I, I think that comparison kind of fits right there between those two. So, I, again, it comes down to what do these teams like. And we're going to get to some of these scenarios for maybe some teams and who's going to be interested in who later on. Uh, before we do that, though, let's let's each cover our sleeper and overhyped prospect in this draft class. You said, I'll start with you. Who's your sleeper prospect at the quarterback position? And who's your overhyped prospect in this draft? Yeah, so for my sleepers, right, I've got um, Jaron Hall from BYU. He's pretty interesting to me, right? He's like six foot two, 205 pounds. Size is certainly there. Just look at him overall. I think he's got a pretty solid arm. The athleticism and the mobility are two underrated parts of his game. I just love how he's kind of able to keep plays alive, extending them. Eyes always seem to be in the right place, especially when extending plays. He's good at pushing the ball downfield as well. Now, I will say this, is that he's a player where you don't, number one, the injury concerns are an issue. And number two, I just think his the way he plays 
quarterback, right? He just has to be more consistent. And, you know, what I mean by that is this, is that he's going to need time on the bench because he's, again, number one, still going to be a rookie. But then number two, you look at it overall and you just say, okay, the speed of the NFL game is going to move so fast for him that what he made kind of seem easy in college is going to go ahead and be difficult for him in the NFL. So this is a prospect you're looking at in Jaron Hall, who is high risk, but also a high reward type of guy. I'm not saying he's going to be franchise caliber by any means, but if he lands in the right situation, he does have a chance to make some sort of meaningful contributions. And then really for me, right? overhyped if i'm gonna be honest like i'll stick with will levis for reasons i've already mentioned i just don't see a scenario where unless will levis ends up in a really good spot that he's gonna be in a position where he concedes like consistently in the long run and again i want to go back to the matthew stafford slash Carson Wentz comes. I mean, Stafford is a really was a really solid starting quarterback in this league for many, many years. But one of the things that I think always irked me about Matthew Stafford is that he was never able to be the guy who got the Lions over the top. Yes, that was somewhat because of a mediocre or bad situation around him. But at the end of the day, like if you're as great as they say you are, you have to be the reason that your team wins. Um I also see him being Carson Wentz just because if we're going to be honest, like after Carson had the back and knee injuries in Philadelphia, he was never really the same guy. And you just saw the inconsistencies pop all over tape. And I will say 2017 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and Carson was having that MVP caliber season. Was Carson playing phenomenal? Yes. But also it's so worthy to note that Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, they had such a structured offense that it was so quarterback friendly, which I think feeds into why Carson had some of the success that he did. Yeah, I mean, situation is going to play a key role for a lot of these guys, right? Um, yeah, I, I think Will Levis, you know, there is a lot to be concerned about with his game and really all four of these top guys has something concerning about them. You know, Bryce Young, it's the size. C.J. Stroud, it's, you know, pocket presence, the fact that he's playing in an ideal situation in Ohio State, the fact that he didn't really show a lot of ability to be to create and, you know, be able to play off structure when a play breaks down. You know, what's the upside there? Anthony Richardson's accuracy and just general polish at this point. And then Will Levis, it's, you know, accuracy, polish, you know, you know, does he have the ability to elevate, you know, a group around him or is he going to be a guy who's just a product of what you, you know, his supporting cast. So, you know, those are all, you know, issues with a lot of these top quarterbacks, you know, for me, I'll start with my overhyped guys, overhyped guy and end on a positive note. Um, my overhyped prospect is Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Um, McKee to me, his play style just doesn't fit anymore with the direction that the NFL is going and the NFL not only do you need to be exceptional from the pocket, but you need to have that ability to, when a play breaks down, to extend plays, um, make plays on the on the run, make throws on the move, and you know have that pocket presence to avoid pass rushers and just be a playmaker. And McKee doesn't have that in his bag. And I'm not sure if he's ever going to have that in his bag because he is a prototypical six foot six, 
you know, drop back passer. You know, he's, 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 he's Joe Flacco. Basically if, if Terry McKee was, you know, going to be drafted, you know, three decades ago in like the nineties or the eighties, like he'd be the number one overall pick because that's what they were looking for back then. They want that, that big, you know, tough guy in the pocket who has a good arm, you know, plays from the pocket, plays discipline there, goes through his progressions and all that stuff. McKee does all those things. And he does it pretty well. Um, he wasn't in the greatest situation at Stanford from a passing game standpoint and a talent standpoint. So there's not, I don't want to judge him too much, but the, the problem with McKee is that he's got such a small margin for error at the next level. He literally has to be in order to have success. I think beyond just being a backup quarterback is he has to, you know, be perfect as a processor basically. And it's the argument against like Mac Jones, for instance, when he won the first round uh, for the New England P- Patriots a couple of years ago, you know, he does. I, and I think Mac Jones was a better athlete than he was given credit for and had more creativity than he was given credit for off script. But um, you know, it's, it's the same type of deal. Like what's the upside there? Can this guy, even if he is a long-term star in the NFL, can this guy ever be a franchise quarterback without that secondary ability? Um, McKee has even less of it than Mac Jones. And I think Mac Jones was a much better processor in the pocket too. And certainly I think a little bit more accurate as a passer as well. Again, McKee is a, is a good solid, you know, pocket passer. I think there is a role for him in the NFL as a long time as a backup, but I see some of the hype from, especially like PFF has him like way high up on their draft board. He's like in the thirties, I think I, I, and you know, I've even seen some mocks where he's gone in the first round and, I don't see that whatsoever. I don't see a first round player. He's maybe a fringe day two guy for me. And it just comes down to, you know, I I think he can have a good solid NFL career as a backup, but I don't see him being a starter at any point. And that's what kind of concerns me is that, you know, there are some things to like about him. If, you know, the game was played differently and it was a more traditional game, it just isn't anymore. Um, As far as a sleeper goes, Um, I'll go with uh, Stetson Bennett out of Georgia and Bennett is a guy that gets a lot of flack. I think from a lot of people, because, you know, there are, because he's on a winning team and a winning program, you know, winning back-to-back national championships, there are a lot of obnoxious Georgia fans that want to hype him up as something that he's not. Um, and yeah, he's, he's not a starter at the next level. He's going to be a backup quarterback, I think, but I think he's got more ability than he's given credit for. I think he's got pretty solid athleticism uh, to make plays off scripts. He showed that at Georgia. You can use him in the quarterback run game a little bit. Um, He can get in the move on play action boots and whatnot and make throws in the run. And he's a pretty sound player from the pocket. You know, he makes smart decisions. He's not the most accurate. He doesn't have a big arm or anything, um, but he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, And so if you're looking for a guy that just come in and be a solid backup for you, like Bennett, he's probably going to be a late day three pick at this point. Um, in fifth, sixth round is probably where he's going to go. You know, if you're a team that needs a backup quarterback, again, I, I go at look at the 49ers, uh, for instance, um, you know, maybe like a team like the, not the Lions, because they actually need a, a franchise quarterback. Uh, I'm trying to think here, maybe the Chiefs, you know, Chad Henney's retiring. So maybe if they need a backup quarterback, quarterback for Patrick Mahomes, you know, he could be an option for those types of teams who just need a guy that can go in there. And if their starter goes down, can, you know, come in, make a few plays off scripts, execute the offense, be a point guard and just be efficient. And I think Bennett has that ability. Will he ever be more than that? No, that's not what you're drafting him to be. Um, But if you're drafting him with, you know, keep in mind that he's a backup at the next level, 
I, I think they can get some value out of him, I think, as a draft pick. I really do. So um, uh, he's not my most favorite prospect in the world, but I, as a guy who, you know, in the quarterback class that isn't quite as deep, I think, as many other years, um, he's something to keep an eye on because, again, older prospect, 25 years old. You know, he's, he's, he, he is what he is at this point, but I think he can come in and, and contribute to an NFL offense right away. Um, so to end this podcast, let's get to talking about how this all relates to the bears when it comes to this quarterback class, because certainly the, the bears, you know, there's been some rumors that I think have been shut down at this point, but you know, there's been a lot of discussion about should the bears trade Justin Fields and draft one of these quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Um, you know, what's their situation? Maybe they should take a chance on a guy on day two or day three as a backup, you know, day three, I could certainly see that being the case to get a backup in there for Justin Fields. Why not? Um, but you know, I, I think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Bears are drafting one of these guys high. I think they're committed to Justin Fields. Ryan Poles made that clear as a press conference at the Combine that Justin Fields is their guy um, moving forward. They're going to do their due diligence, obviously, but it um, doesn't sound like they're in a rush to replace Justin Fields. He's going to be their guy um, for the short term at the very least. Um, but where this all gets interesting is the trade-down possibilities of who's interested for which quarterback – what are the Bears going to get for these guys? And, you know, who, what's the trade possibilities going to be? So, you know, you say when you're looking at the trade possibilities, you know, what teams make sense for specific quarterbacks at the top of this draft? And, you know, what would make sense in a trade down for the Bears if that's the case? Well, first things first, let's just get this out of the way, is that to say the Bears should consider trading Justin Fields is so foolish because we're going to be quite honest. You trade Justin and you draft one of these four guys that we've spent the last hour talking about. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's such a big downgrade in talent because if you look at Justin, I mean, it's very clear that he's one of the most talented quarterbacks that's kind of come out over the last couple of years in the draft. But what makes this so interesting is you're right, where the Bears are going to trade down. The Bears are going to trade out of first overall, and I'm sitting here on March 1st, and I'm saying that. You look at the scramble in the top 10. You've got Houston sitting at two. Houston's also got the 12th overall pick. So that's a potential right there for an additional first rounder this year that the Bears could possibly use on an offensive lineman. You know, Arizona's not going to go ahead and bring in a quarterback. Indianapolis, we know for a fact, they are taking a quarterback this year. It's just a matter of how much Chris Ballard's willing to move up. And Indianapolis is the most polarizing trade partner that there is because you could see them making a play for a guy that's as talented as Bryce Young, but you could also see them settling for a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson just because Chris Ballard is too stubborn sometimes to kind of really swing for the fences. You look at fifth overall, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, as much as they say they believe in Geno, Geno is without a doubt just going to be a stopgap type player. He's not the long-term solution. His window of opportunity to be long to be the long-term solution, passed nearly a decade ago. Detroit, I think, is firmly committed to Jared Goff, despite the fact that inside the Lions organization, they have some really good connections to Ohio State as well as Alabama. Las Vegas Raiders at seventh overall. That's where it gets so interesting because 
you could see them making a play for Jimmy G because Dave Ziegler, the GM, as well as the head coach, Josh McDaniels, they are both originally from New England and were working under Bill Belichick when the organization drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. But we have to temper that too. And why? Because the Raiders are probably looking at this and saying, we couldn't land Tom Brady, even though we were rumored to get him. We could possibly be in the market for Aaron Rodgers, depending on what he does. But ultimately, I think Jimmy G is just more realistic. And again, I'm not saying Jimmy's a long-term solution, but the Raiders would definitely, by bringing in a guy like Jimmy G, what it's going to do is kind of take the pressure off them to find a solution right away. Eighth Atlanta, they drafted Desmond Ritter last year. I think, quite frankly, they're two years away from competing and say, hey, let's just ride it out with Ritter. Then we go ahead and bring in a new guy and kind of shatter his confidence. Ninth overall, the Carolina Panthers. Listen, we've heard that they're in negotiations and they're talking to Sam Darnold's party about a possible extension, but he's not the long-term guy. I think Frank Reich is going to go ahead and get his quarterback. Eagles don't need a quarterback. You look at 11th overall, the Tennessee Titans, I mean, yeah, they have Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis, but they're a team that's been rumored to kind of make that massive jump. And so those are the teams that I say top of the draft, realistically, you want to keep your eye on. If I'm going to be fully honest with you as I begin to wrap up here, Houston and Indianapolis make the most sense for the Bears as trade partners simply because you have two AFC South rivals in a bidding war for the top quarterback, and they both know that if we don't land one of these guys, if we don't land our guy, then he's going to be on the other team and torture us for hopefully a decade plus. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I think... You know, the Texans or Colts would be the ideal scenario. And you look at the Colts, I mean, what's probably going to have to be offered for that trade to happen is a future first from the Colts, their second round pick this year, and probably a third round pick this year to make that work. I know the draft charts, that's about as close, that's pretty close in terms of value wise um, for getting that pick from four to one for them. Um, and maybe it would be more than a bidding war situation for Houston. The draft charts don't really matter because Houston's entire objective in that scenario would be just to outbid Indianapolis enough to secure their guy um, at number one overall, since they have number two overall. And they had the benefit of saying that like, Hey, we can trade down with, you know, you can trade down with us and you'll still have your pick 
of whoever is the number one player on your board, you know, besides a quarterback still. I think that's going to be, that would be a very enticing things. Obviously I, I think, you know, with, and again, I, I said at the beginning of the podcast, I didn't want to speculate too much on this. So I'm just going to mention it briefly here, but the Jalen Carter news does, you know, make it, you know, I, I guess like less, the bear, it, it makes less sense for the bears to have to stay within the top four picks um, because you know that um, you, you were going to get one of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. Now that, you know, Jalen Carter has that whole issue going on, you know, maybe that changes things. That's the extent that I'm going to speculate on that. Um, but I look at some other teams, look at the trade up, you know, I think the Raiders, you mentioned their, their, their connections to Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick. He's very close friends with Nick Saban at Alabama. So I would assume that the Raiders are going to trade up for any quarterback. They're going to try to get in on the Bryce Young sweepstakes. And I would assume the same thing for the Houston Texans. That they're, they're, they're going to be very high on Bryce Young as well because they have those connections to Bill Belichick. Um, look at Nick Serio um, being from the Patriots front office, probably has that connection to Nick Saban as well. I think Bryce Young is going to be the pick of choice for you know Houston and Las Vegas here. I, I just think that makes a ton of sense. Um, I look at the Indianapolis Colts. I think Chris Ballard, you look at his background, I think he cares a lot more about physical traits and, you know, prototypical traits from a quarterback um, than, you know, some of these other GMs. I think he's going to get caught up in the size questions for Bryce Young. So I could see him really liking C.J. Stroud uh, to execute that offense. I could see him really liking Anthony Richardson because you have Shane Steichen coming, in from, coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he could see a lot of Anthony Richardson. And, um, or I, I'm sorry, I, could, I think you see, see a lot of Jalen Hurts in Anthony Richardson's game and maybe want to replicate that offense for him in Indianapolis. I, could, I think that can make a lot of sense. And if they're going after Anthony Richardson, maybe they decide to you know, stay put at number four and risk that he falls to them in that scenario. I could certainly see that happening. Um, now, I look at some of the other teams, Carolina, you know, I think they would really like C.J. Stroud for that offense that Frank Reich likes to run. You know, it makes a lot of sense here. I could also see them going after Will Levis because I think they're going to want someone who has that prototypical size as well. They, they definitely, you know, strike me as that sort of a team that would buy into that sort of thing. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, though, is where it really gets interesting for me because I think looking at, you know, Arthur Smith going into his third year as a head coach for the Falcons, he has to make – you know, the Falcons have to show some improvement this year. Otherwise, I think Arthur Smith is going to be on the hot seat. And I think Arthur Smith is a really smart offensive coach, a very unique offensive coach, definitely very run-heavy going against the grain in the NFL. Um, he hasn't found a way to unlock Kyle Pitts yet. You know, it's a whole other discussion. But I think generally he's a pretty smart offensive mind. Um, you know, he's clearly embraced, though. You look at the quarterbacks that he's brought in. He brought in Marcus Mariota. They drafted Desmond Ritter last year. I think he's clearly bought into the quarterback run game being a you know huge part of his offense moving forward. And to be able to use, you know, the threat of a quarterback running um, to, you know, kind of have a numbers advantage in the run game, in the read option game and stuff like that. I think the Falcons are going to be very interested in trading up for a guy like Anthony Richardson or being very interested in general for Anthony Richardson, because I think he's just a great fit for what, for what Arthur Smith wants to do and how he runs, wants to run that offense. And like you said, you know, they have, um, 
they do have Desmond Ritter on the roster. You know, I think he's a guy that can start for them in the short term to give Anthony Richardson some time to develop. But, you know, if, if the Falcons are coming calling and giving you a godfather offer, you know, where they're giving you basically every draft pick at number one um, to move up there, um, you know, that could certainly be intriguing as well. Um, some other teams in the mix here, I think the Lions and Seahawks, you know, could go quarterback. I don't know which ones they would go to. Honestly, I think if they are going to go quarterback, they should be going for a guy like Anthony Richardson because of the upside and because they have veterans with Geno Smith and Jared Goff, respectively, that can, you know, they can allow Anthony Richardson to sit for a year or two. I think those two spots would would make a lot of sense, but I don't think either of those teams are going to be in a spot to where they're going to feel desperate enough to trade up. I think they're going to be feeling feeling fairly confident uh, confident in themselves to build out the rest of the roster. You know, if there's not a quarterback they like, they're going to you know draft the best player available or maybe trade down, and then you know try to win with what they have, and then maybe be aggressive for a quarterback in next year's draft. You know, build the roster first and then get your quarterback, so to speak. So, I, I would keep an eye on those teams, but I don't expect them to be aggressive in the trade market. So, really, you're looking at the Houston Texans, the Colts. Um, the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Falcons, five teams that I think are going to be the running to move up. You know, th- that's probably what you're looking at here for teams that are going to be interested in the number one pick for the Bears. So we talked a lot today about the quarterback scenario. I think we could go all day about this um, topic because it's it clearly is the point of discussion for the Bears this offseason. What are they going to do with the number one overall pick? Who are they going to trade down with? What are they going to get? How's that going to set them up for the future? We could talk about that all day, but you said we are running a bit low on time here. So I think it's going to wrap it up for us here at the, at the picks for polls podcast. Um, it was a lot of fun today, breaking down these, this quarterback class. I think it is a talented class up at the top here. And certainly it's going to be very interesting to see how the NFL views these top four quarterbacks specifically. Um, so for all of our listeners out there, make sure to follow us and, uh, on all podcasting platforms at the blue wire, make sure to like rate, subscribe for us there. Um, you said, uh, where can our listeners follow you on social media? Yeah, so you guys can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. Make sure you're keeping an eye on the podcast feeds, guys. We've got prospect interviews that are dropping. Like I just talked to Favai Favai, Idaho Vandals linebacker, dropped that episode a couple days ago. He had some really cool stuff to say about Lance Briggs and Brian Erlacher, obviously Bears legends. So you just want to kind of have the – notifications on for whenever we drop a podcast because we're gonna have a lot of cool content over the next eight to ten weeks yeah absolutely make sure to go get that a listen um and make sure to follow us on social media as well at picture polls on twitter i forgot to mention that so make sure to follow us there to get our updates for everything that we're doing here at the picture polls podcast as for me you can follow me on social media on twitter at aj from 25 you can find my work at the bear report trying to wrap up my mock off season on the bear report before we get to the start of the nfl official start of the nfl off season um in only a couple of weeks here free agency you say it only two weeks away so it's going to start getting exciting here, um, not only at this podcast, but just in the NFL world in general. So really looking forward to that, really looking forward to how this offseason plays out for the Bears. But until next time, Bears fans, uh, have yourself a great weekend, and of course, bear down.